Hello everyone, welcome to Home From Home, a podcast where we answer your questions with our experiences and questionable advice. Whoever you're attracted to, this is a safe place for real conversation. We'll talk about the highs and lows of life as a disciple with added baggage. Can we help you with that? Welcome to your Home From Home. In this episode, Morgan and Ellen discuss truly loving yourself in the way that God sees you. Instead of basing our love on works, how can we base it on meditation and connection with God? Stick around and welcome to your home from home. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chaotic Home from Chaotic Home podcast. It is Morgan and Ellen again for our second podcast here um, on the Home From Home podcast. Uh, If you missed our introductory episode last time, we are doing a short series um, that we're hosting instead of Thomas and Topher. They are taking a well-deserved break, but we uh, talked about friendship on our last podcast, and I alluded to and gave a little sneak peek of what this podcast was going to be about today, which is about how do we love ourselves? I know your heart might have dropped a little bit like mine did when Ellen and I decided that we were going to talk about this, but we actually got a question, question. (laughs) We got a question in from one of our listeners, which I think is uh, an incredible question. And I think the reason I mentioned my heart dropped a little is because I truthfully, I think learning to love ourselves as God created us to be uh, is a really hard topic. And it's a large topic. And Alan and I will not pretend like we have all of the answers here. But I do think uh, in the light of being a same-sex attracted Christian, uh, it is hard sometimes to think about, well, God, why did you choose to make me this way? Why is this my story? Why do I have to go through what I have to go through on a daily basis? And I think there are so many situations that people... Uh, can ask those same questions for. But I think at least from our perspective today, we're going to be talking from a same-sex attracted Christian's perspective. So as I mentioned today, talking about how to love ourselves, Ellen's going to kick us off um, with some initial thoughts and we will hopefully make this one short and sweet today. Yeah, it's funny that we're making this short and sweet, but certainly we could talk for our whole, the rest of our lives about how to do this, right? This is one of the biggest questions of humanity, I feel like. How do we love ourselves? Um, I love that you said that, Morgan, that we're just starting this out with a really humbled stance. We don't know. <laughs> so if you have any ideas, let us know. But, um, you know, I think for me and for a lot of the people that I talk to, a lot of my clients, we, what we end up discussing is that, you know, the Bible commands that we view ourselves with sober judgment. And I think sometimes we've skewed that to um, mean that we should look ourselves look at ourselves always in a negative light, right? That we should always look at ourselves as sinful and terrible and not worthy of anything. That is part of the truth of who we are. We are not worthy in and of ourselves, right? There's nothing we can do. Our righteous deeds are like filthy rags, right? Like all those things are true. But the other part of that truth is that we were created in God's image and he has found us worthy. He has made us worthy. We bear his name, his marker, right? Um, And therefore we are worthy, uh, and I think just resting, right, believing that truth is kind of where we start 
with uh, loving ourselves, right? It's almost a, com a, a command from God, right? Um, that we love all of his creation and we're part of that. I remember uh, when, when I first got married, I spoke to my husband very disrespectfully, the one and only time that I ever have, not <laughs> several times since then, but uh, we were near another brother and sister in the faith and the brother said, Ellen, do you know who you just spoke to? You, you're not speaking to your husband right now. You're speaking to God's son. And that, you know, like the, the implication of him saying that was like, you should be quaking in reverence at being in the sight of God's creation, right? How dare you speak to God's beloved in that way? And I think what's that's easy for us to grasp onto, right? Like, yes, every other human, apart from me, needs to be treated with kindness, dignity, and respect, right? But we can be self-deprecating, and somehow that is culturally acceptable, even in the church, right? <clears throat> even in God's kingdom. And so I think that that's where this starts, is being able to look in the mirror and say, do you know who you are? You are God's daughter. You are God's beloved. How dare you speak to yourself in that way? How dare you call yourself fat or ugly or not good enough or unworthy, right? So I think that's kind of where it starts is seeing ourselves as we really are, part of God's creation, God's beloved, God's children made in his image, and then accepting that. Interesting that you say that, Ellen, because when I was thinking about this topic um, and how to love myself or how to be love ourselves, that part about looking in the mirror, that can, for me, sometimes be the scariest place. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, is that when we're looking in the mirror, we're looking at it, hopefully with God. And those can be some really intense moments. Uh, in my experience, that's actually when I have found the most transformation, because it's the most raw and vulnerable place. I'm I'm not worried about what other people are going to think about me or who I'm telling somebody something. I'm telling something to somebody. What are they going to, what filter are they experiencing it through? What are they going to think of me? How are they going to treat me after this? But one way that I have uh, learned to, I think, humbly and excitingly now learn to step into that space is through meditation. And there's two scriptures that come to my mind when, when thinking about meditation. One is in Isaiah 26, verse three, and it says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. And the second is in Joshua 1, verse eight, which says, keep this book of law always on your lips, meditate on it and a day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And those two scriptures really stand out to me because meditation, especially in our Western culture, I think it's gaining a little bit more in the self-help realm, gaining more traction, but it's definitely not a custom that we've really grabbed a hold of. But the Bible is so, talks so much about meditation and meditation, meditating on his precepts, meditation, meditating on his commands. And I actually ended up doing a lesson a couple of years ago, like on meditation and what it does to our brain. And it actually, it actually ignites certain parts of our brain that aren't engaged when we're in conversation or we're in connection with other people. Wow. And truthfully, in my experience, I feel like it's because one, I don't slow down very often in Western culture to be able to meditate. Mm -hmm. And two, 
half the time when I'm meditating, I end up being really antsy or end up wanting to like pick up my phone or lay down or sit up or move or, you know, I, I want to do a lot of things to just, um, move my body instead of like sitting there in front of God saying, Hey, here's, this is, this is me. Mm. I can't change myself. I can't, there's nothing I can say that's going to make me love, make you love me more or make you love me less. It is just me and and all of me. And I think there is a really strong mirror when I'm in those moments because I can't hide. I can't run. uh, But what I end up walking away with is that perfect peace that's in that Isaiah scripture that I get to walk away with perfect peace because my mind is now steadfast on who God is. And if God is great and if God is uh, a God that's deserving of my worship, then why do I feel like he made a mistake on who I am? Right? Like there's definitely a disconnect of if he's so great and he's all of these things, why does that become self-deprecating? Right. Uh, and I have to wrestle through those thoughts when I'm sitting there. And I don't always walk away with an answer of, of well, why how do I have so much self-hate talk right now? But then there are also moments that I'm sitting there and he, he does put on my heart, like, well, it's because you feel out of control right now. So you're trying to gain control. And the only control you can have is to say these things to yourself or, um, you know, to, to invoke some sort of feeling. So I feel like meditation, as far as what you mentioned, looking in the mirror has been probably the strongest way that I've had to kind of step into that. Yeah, meditation can look different for different people. I think sometimes, especially in the Christian culture, we're afraid of that word meditation. We think that it's like inviting the third eye or whatever. I don't know all the terms, right? But um, I think I love that you brought it back to the Bible. Like, actually, the Bible does talk about this. There's great um, benefit to meditating on God's word, meditating on who God is, on who you are before God. And so, yeah, I don't sometimes I don't really call it meditation. And I think too, you know, another kind of nebulous thought in the Christian faith is spending time with God. And I think for mm. me, a lot of time that I spend with God is in sort of this meditative state that you might call meditation. I just call it time with God, right? I sort of have this um, place that I go to with God in my mind, <laughs> right? And it's just, the, uh, you know, this blank sort of white ethereal place, right? And we sit there before each other uh, God's real big in front of me, right? And I'm real little. I come up to like his knee or something. And um, sometimes in this place together, I do exactly what you're saying, right? Um, is I just kind of sit before him and I let him look at me and I look at him looking at me, right? All the joy, all the love that would be on his face as he's looking at me, all the adoration, right? I let that kind of wash over me and help fill in the cracks of my identity and my worth. Sometimes I, you know, move through my anxieties with him and I surrender some anxiety to him in that space with him, right? So I I think that's an important thing that you're bringing up though, Morgan, because in our culture, we're really into self-help and self-love, loving yourself, right? This is big and culturally right now, but it's all works-based, right? Like go get a mani-pedi and that'll make, make, that means you love yourself, right? Like go get a massage, that means you love yourself, right? 
But really, all those things are good. And that can be an expression of self-love, absolutely. But I think it starts in this place that you and I are talking about. It starts with why am I deserving of love? Well, part of the answer is I'm not. But the other part of the answer is God has made me deserving of self-love and other people's love. And that's why I deserve to go get a massage or, you know, talk to myself nicely, right? Or whatever, whatever it is and sit in this space with my creator and have him, you know, um, pour his love out on me and be aware of it, right? Like we don't, we're not really aware of that in the day to day. We're aware of what we need to do for God, how we need to obey, how we need to deny ourselves, but we're not always readily aware of how much he loves us how much he adores us, how much he delights in us. And that's a real problem because we're called to obey out of that space, right? Out of our love for him. And, you know, how can we love him if we're not aware of his love for us? That's the space that we're called to obey and engage in these actions. But what I see is this trend in our society where we're doing all the actions without being in that safe, calm space with God to build us back up, to be able to, you know, perform those actions for him. I, I love the example you gave. And um, I have actually had the pleasure of hearing that example uh, before this podcast. And that's really helpful for me in particular, because I think sometimes I don't even know what, what does meditation look like? Or what does that time with God look like? What should I be doing? How should I be sitting? You know, but I, I think, again, engaging our imagination is something that we don't necessarily always associate with God, yeah. where it's like, oh, I can be imaginative with God and, and what that would look like. And so I love that. Thanks for, for sharing that example. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think to um, focus back to, you know, the question that somebody uh, submitted, which is in relation and in specificity to same-sex attraction, how do we get around and come to terms with the fact that same-sex attraction is a part of our life, that it's a part of who, about part of our story um, when we might feel in conflict with our Christianity and our same-sex attraction? Like what, when you get that question, how do you help people reconcile that being a part of their story? Yeah, I mean, I think this begs a deeper question about the fall and how, um, you know, same-sex attraction came into the world, right? Is it something that God intended? Is it something that was a result of the fall, right? So maybe we'll reserve that portion of this question for later. But I think, you know, recognizing that being attracted to the same sex is in no way sinful is a great place to start, right? There's nothing wrong. God never says it's wrong to be attracted to the same sex. And so therefore, none of us are sinning by being attracted to the same sex. There's nothing wrong with us when we experience that. Now, just like our other areas of purity, right? We need to, or if we've chosen to live for God, we need to submit our sexuality to Christ, no matter who we're attracted to, right? So I think, um, uh, but I think that's where it starts is us recognizing there's nothing inherently wrong with me just because I'm attracted to the same sex. I deserve the same amount of love, dignity, respect, kindness that everyone else does. I love it. I love it. And I think that's a great place to end this podcast uh, because, you know, I, I do think we could go down the road of 
the, the fall and sin and, and all that stuff. But that, like Ellen mentioned, that would be quite a few podcasts worth of content. Uh, <laughs> but I, I hope today what you're walking away with from this podcast is that you um, taking care of yourself starts first, it starts with acknowledging that um, you are worthy of love and the same love and respect that we give other people um, is demanded of ourselves as well. Not because we inherently de- deserve it, but because we've been created in God's image and because we've been creating God's image and we're his creation. Uh, we deserve the same love for ourselves as we do for other, uh, other people. And that's not just a superficial love. That is a vulnerable, raw, all of who we are, even our ugly scars, even the darkest parts of us. Um, we all deserve love uh, from God. So we hope that you enjoyed our uh, Home From Home podcast today. Uh, feel free to come back next time and enjoy another episode with us. Thank you for listening to Home From Home. We'd love to hear your questions. Please submit through the link in the description. Home From Home is sponsored by Strength and Weakness Ministries a Christian organization that helps to bridge the gap between the Christian community and the LGBTQ community through awareness, education, and support. For more info and resources, go to strengthandweakness.org.